Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Welcome back Rich Grove as well. Um, I, I, I picked up on you on Twitter the other day mate saying, wish I still did a podcast, I need to have a good rant about that. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you should have got me on Saturday afternoon, That have been, it would have been, it would have been Conte, Conte-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Foaming, it. Oh, that's the thing, I was, I was just happy in a way that I did my post-match thing before I'd heard his kind of press conference comments because I I really don't think I would have done much other than disgrace myself like you say in a fashion that he did the other day that seems like the uh the easy place to start doesn't it um given that the dust has settled a little bit now how are you how are you feeling about that 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 press conference mate um well strangely enough i um i don't know if you've seen it i watched alistair gold's um youtube sort of uh monologue about it last night or or quite a big chunk of that anyway um and he seemed to be saying that um some parts of that you know some of what was initially kind of given over as the vitriol were, were actually questions rather than statements and there seems to be a bit well maybe he wasn't being quite so overtly critical of the club maybe he was actually asking questions rather than making statements and so I kind of don't really know what to think about it now in in the light of that at the time I was like brilliant you've burnt your own bridges now pack your bags and fuck off yeah um you know that was my initial reaction um but of course the the difficult truth of it is a lot of he was saying a lot of what he was saying you know unfortunately there is a lot of truth about it you know whether it's laziness in the players um, or, 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 you know, that they're just willing to, to tread water and they're willing to lose and they're willing to not be under pressure or whether it is that they're simply not capable of working at that level, uh, I don't know. But, um, you know, unfortunately, these things do always have a, an element of the truth about them, don't they? So as much as I hated to hear it, it um, yeah... I don't know. Maybe it did need to be said. See, this is where I'm. I'm really torn, though. You know, because I do. I, I do. I, I do appreciate. You know, there's that kind of that mentality of like, you know, I can call my dad a knobhead, but as soon as somebody else says your dad's a knobhead, you know, it it it, 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 it rankles, right? You know, it's, knives out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I appreciate there probably is an element of that to it, and. Yeah, I think we can all say that kind of like the there's a few players that 
I don't know. We can we can buy into this whole thing that like, oh, we've had this same group of players for however many years, and they've not gotten anything over the line. But I think it's it's kind of a half truth in in many ways, in that it, it, it is a largely refreshed squad now. You would say sort of the key places are goalkeeper, but he loves Lloris. I think he loves a goalkeeper with an attitude like that and his kind of stature. Eric Dyer, Ben Davis are the, the they are the like the notable kind of players that probably need upgrading upon that we haven't acted upon yet, who are who are what we would say are part of this like hangover of the past few years. But I you know, I still look at these players and I think these for all this talk about them being failures and such, it's still the group of players that has seen Tottenham punch far above their their kind of weight class, you would say, been involved in a couple of title races, been to a Champions League final. And I know people, like, they want to default back to because it's the easy narrative to say, yeah, but they didn't win it. But surely, again, like, the, the bigger part of all this is that, like, Tottenham aren't the team that are supposed to be winning those things. The teams that are supposed to be winning those things are Chelsea. The fact that Manchester City and Chelsea don't win the league every single year that they don't just pass it between themselves it's probably to be fair is a bigger failing on Chelsea's part not so much Manchester City's because they they pretty much do win it every single year now but still the fact that and I, I see Adam Nathan uh, everybody will know him on Twitter he talks a lot about this He's, he will just say the fact that City and Chelsea don't win the league don't win everything every single year is a failing on their part it is because just the amount of money that those clubs spend. And then outside of those two, you think about Man United. You think about the amount of money that they've spent and how yeah, continue to spend. We've been a better team than them for the best part of a decade. So I I just I think it's 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 all very easy to kind of lean on this idea that the the players are somehow at fault. I mean, to be honest, some some of the worst players this year have been players that he's wanted. Even mm. Paris, even Perisic has been standout one of the worst players this year, easily without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. And that's not just my well, it might well be my own bias. You know, I've, I've, I'm not a big fan of even Perisic now, anyway. At least I was very excited by the by the signing of him. I kind of I thought that there's a lot of naysayers here talking about his age and all this type of thing, but he's been terrible. It's been a failed experiment. The fact I, I would guess Hummin Son has been probably notably pretty poor this year but that feels like that's because it's a it's a it's a it's a product of what Antonio Conte is not only having him do but the fact that Conte just is too afraid to rotate him is too afraid you know I, th- I think the, the we can objectively say right the, the best we've seen of him and Son this year is from the bench mm. and he, he doesn't seem to want to take any of that on board so you know I think he, he said this you know he's he, he spoke about selfish players Right, for example, the funny thing because I have been thinking about that. Who who does he mean really? Who who can he be talking? Because selfish is such a pointed, it's a pointed expression, right? It's a really pointed sort of word to use. It's not saying that you know he he spoke. I guess he said the other things about the lack of fire and all this sort of thing. But then being selfish, it just it, it, the only the only one I can really think of being brutally honest is Harry Kane from that game. Because there were, there were several times in that game, and I 
Cards on the table. I'm happy for Harry Kane to do whatever the fuck he wants, really, other than go to Arsenal on a free transfer. But while he's in a Tottenham shirt, I'm happy for him to do whatever the fuck he wants because he is our best player. He's our best ever player. He's the one that consistently gives a shit. But you could see in that Southampton game whether he's got one sort of eye on the golden boot race, whether he just kind of doesn't trust the players around him, whether he's frustrated. There were several times in that game where I thought he took the shot and he didn't look for anyone around him. And it was notably, it was Son. A couple of times, two or three times, he didn't pass to Son. And he just kind of went for a shot that either clattered into a defender or it went over the bar. So if Conte's calling people selfish, I do. I just wonder if he's maybe reaching out to somebody like Harry Kane there and saying, you've got to do better than this. You're the sort of the best player. But that's that's, that's me speculating. I mean... Don't I mean because for example, mate, right? If we if we're talking about him, sort of a lot of truth to what he said, right? He was asked, and I'm pretty sure it was by Dan Kilpatrick, that well, if the fact that he's not committing his future to the club, surely that has an impact on the players. And he just says, oh, that's an that's an alibi. That's just an alibi for these players. You're just making an excuse to them. But he can't. He surely can't deny that, right? Um, the only thing that I can liken it to is Redknapp's final season, and we all saw what happened there. It was the same, the same equivocation from the manager because obviously Redknapp was being linked quite heavily with the England job at the time, um, you know. And if you remember that, I'm sure it's all etched into our psyche. The mind the gap year, um, you know, where we were in a really really good place with about ten games to go, and everything just fell off the pitch, and it's mm. all been. It's all just been put down historically to that nobody knew whether or not the manager was leaving at the end of the season. And so, you know, as much as I think it's easy for Conte to say it's an alibi, there is historical sort of context for this happening, isn't there? Particularly at Spurs. Um, So, you know, I think... And I think the thing is, is we all know he's going. Everybody knows he's going. He, if he wasn't going to go, we would have heard by now. You know, they would have said, no, no, that's all sorted. And they'd have put it to bed. Or even we're in discussions or, or you know, negotiations will happen in an international break or whatever it would be that the club line would be. Um, that's such an easy thing to put to bed. Um, it doesn't make any sense that it hasn't been. So I think that has to have an impact. Um and and going back to your previous point on the selfish players, I mean, I, like you, I thought that comment was largely aimed at, at forward players. And and perhaps Kane is the obvious target for it. Um, but I think we see it a lot across the front. Um, we saw, you know, we've seen sort of both, you know, Son is so desperate for goals that he will cut in at the edge of the box and fire something into the car park rather than pass it across to somebody that's in space. Um, Kulisevsky, I think, also trying to find form after an injury has been a little bit guilty of it. Kane is, has always been a bit like that, though, and and we like you say we forgive him for it because he puts it in the in the goal so often, you know, and uh, and I think you know, sort of coming back into the midfield players, Hoiberg, you know, he's got a couple of goals from the edge of the box in this season, and I think he's got a sniff of it, and and recently, frequently, we've seen him progress to that final third of the pitch and just let loose where where whether it's been Richarlison or Kulusevski out on the right-hand side, whether there's been Kane pulling a defender out of space in the middle to create either room for himself or somebody else, and he's just let rip and it's bounced off somebody's arse and gone out for a throw-in or something. And 
and I think you know, yeah, that that's probably the major thing, isn't it? Because if they were more a little bit more cooperative in the front, we wouldn't constantly be looking for a lead. Mm. It's it, it's just it's difficult, isn't it, mate? It's really difficult because, like, touching on the going back to the alibi part of uh, of this whatever you want to call it rant from Conte. I found it, even just as a fan, it's hard to really buy into him and buy into what we're doing, even though you know we're, we're looking like we could have finished fourth. I'm not so sure we'll get there now, but we're on track to be in the Champions League again. But just the uncertainty around what that really means. has found is I found it so hard to... I mean, maybe that's a failing on my part. Maybe that's looking into it too much. Some people would just say, whatever, you're in the Champions League, just enjoy that kind of thing. But... When when you don't feel when you can't see any like tangible direction in which the club is heading, when you're thinking, well, this is this is kind of this has got an end point, this Conte thing, and what have we got waiting for us next year, you know, Thomas Tuchel, who I that's really that my real gut feeling is that's where we're gonna go, <laughs> another Ch- ex Chelsea manager, mm-hmm. but regardless of that, like. <laughs> All this kind of uncertainty about what 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 are we actually trying to achieve here? What what's the next step? Because it feels like we'll get into the Champions League, and then next year it's step one again, all over again. The whole thing starts from the beginning again, and if that affects us as a fan base, because I you know been to been to the ground a few times this this season, it it hasn't really got a buzz around the place. Do you know what I mean? I haven't felt that at all. Um, I haven't really felt the kind of any sort of sense of like excitement or anything amongst fans. And I, do, I, I hate to say this, but I do think we always need to re- keep one eye on what Arsenal are doing because I think that really does affect a lot of the feeling at Tottenham, right? But, you know, if if this was year two, right? Year two into Conte's five-year contract he had with the club and we're on course to finishing the top four again, I'm like, cool at least we got there and we can build on this because we know we've got this guy for a few more years and he's building the club in his image whether i like it or not there's something there there's like there's a there's a journey there's there's a road ahead right we don't have that we don't have that we haven't had that at any point so if it's affecting the fans it's surely going to affect the players as well right yeah of course it is yeah absolutely um and and I mean, they must feel it far more acutely than us. You know, we go once, twice a week. You know, we um, experience it from the stands. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't go, go that often because I'm not swimming in money. But, no, not do I um, anymore. You know, <laughs> you, know it, uh, you know, I know people that do go sort of week in, week out, and, and, and it's the same story. Um, and, of course, they see it on a daily basis. And there must be this sort of, um, this weird sort of equivocation around the club. Um, and And I wonder... You know, if you remember a couple of years ago when we had the All or Nothing documentary, you could see in those episodes that Levy was quite often in Hotspur Way. They would they would all be having lunch together, and he would be there talking to the manager, and he would be talking to the staff, and he would be talking to the players. So it's not as if you know there's even a separation of that of that organisational structure from the playing staff to the board of directors. That they're obviously all all sort of in and amongst each other. They've got to be wondering what each other are thinking or doing and what the plan is. The, you know, there must be people, they must be, if it was me, I'd be earwigging. What are they talking about over a cup of coffee today? What What is going on, you know? Um, 
and uh, and and like you say, is it gonna be another fucking roll of the dice? Is it gonna be another new face that comes in with different ideas? The players are gonna have to warm to another system, to another manager, prove themselves all over again, or not, as the case may be. You know, um, and yeah, it's got to have a huge destabling effect, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like we said, you can't deny entirely that you know. He's he's allowed to be frustrated. He, he, of course, can talk about the lack of intensity and the lack of fire in those players. I think we would all say that at times, right? We would all say that there are those moments where they're just the the confidence in them just goes so quickly, it just evaporates. And mm. maybe that's I don't I don't know if I because like I was saying at the top, I don't really buy into the idea that that's a kind of a uh, some kind of I don't know weakness in the players as individuals or something like that it maybe is just the fact that you know a lot of these players have been there done that at Tottenham and they kind of see where it's going and maybe they have just lost that belief that they can get something across the line here whatever and I can understand his frustration now but a lot of the squad has been turned over now it really has Mm. you know and Mm. we I, I you know I understand it it's a it's a contentious topic this kind of thing I've been getting a lot of flack for the for like my kind of thoughts on Conte's stuff out the back of it, and a lot of it is kind of the, you know, aside from the sort of the you're a cuck, is Levy paying you type, you know, bilge that you get in this sort of thing. A lot of people are like, well, you know, I'm sort of I've just had enough of this, mate. Like to be fair, like he is making a point that so many of these players, even my even my my dad the other day when I was talking to him about it yesterday. He was just like, well, he's not wrong though, is he? Really, like, it's not worth getting upset about because he's. Look at these players; they they don't deliver anything. Like, and you know, so I I I can take that on board. But what I can't stand with him, and what I think really rankles me still, and I just won't give him a pass for that. So many people do is how much of this, in my opinion, is in his is in his hands. Like, mm. it, I do want to talk about leaving. I do want to talk about Enoch and their kind of part to play in all of this. But we had a really strong end to this season last year. It looked like it, it's kind of his ideas had kind of permeated. Suddenly, everybody had a bit of belief. They were all playing as one. We got that sort of that fourth place over Arsenal beating them 3-0 as well like that you know we're talking about these players and their mentality and stuff come on man this just happened a couple of months ago you can't Mm. say that these players are like all these kind of you know mental weaklings and all this type of whatever sort of toxic stuff people spew out coming largely from the fucking manager right a couple of months ago we all saw what that what white Hart lane was like on that night against arsenal and like how we destroyed them and how the those players played so the fact that he kind of feels that he can completely just have like clean hands in all of this, you know, it's kind of like, because he, he, he it's just, it's his job to do this, right? It's his job to inspire and motivate these players. And it looked like we'd done it last year. And the club themselves, my point on this was that they have backed him. They've bought, mm. they've bought in Richarlison, they've bought in Porro, they've bought in Basuma, who was one of the best players in the Premier League for years. Mm. One of the most mm. sought-after players outside of the top six teams, you know? And he's done nothing with them. <laughs> he's done absolutely... Like, really, honestly, my, 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 my gut feeling on this is, right, is that he, he, he did a good job last year. He started to show that promise. 
We've given him the money and it's just flopped. He's just not been able to do it. He's just, he has just flopped and now he is completely in self-preservation mode. And it's, it's fire ever. This kind of, this stuff that we're kind of being gaslit with at the moment that, oh, he, he actually wasn't talking about anything other than the, other than the, the players. It's bollocks, man. I've watched that press. I've, I've had to do work involving that press conference. I've watched it mm. start to finish. Like, I know exactly what he said. And I've known exactly what he said in the hate at the moment. I remember exactly what he was saying it after Burnley away, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure other press conferences. The guy is unprofessional. When when it's not going well on the pitch, he lashes out at everyone else around him. It's just toxic. It is completely toxic. And I don't see how people can just let him off the hook for it, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, it is... It is to draw a comparison that he would hate. It is very um, Mourinho-esque, isn't it, you know? I think he's uh, worse, mate. Honestly, yeah. I think he's worse. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, and I mean, you know, uh, while we're on those comparisons, the football is pretty, pretty similar as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's fucking dire. Um, and I and I don't know. I mean, the, the 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 thing that when he came in, the one thing that that worried me about it, and I was as as excited as as the next man when we landed him because I thought it was a bit of a coup for the club. Um, largely because Man United were in for him at the same time, so we believe. Right. Um, you know, was that how quickly it fell apart at Chelsea? You know, and it went from they won that league, but he won the league with a side that had been pretty close. It had all gone wrong for. Uh, I think he directly replaced Mourinho, didn't he? Um, that you know they'd had a, a couple of pretty good successful seasons, and then it had all got toxic and it had fallen apart because of personalities. So he came into a side that was full of really good players, and all he really needed to do was get everybody singing from the same page for a bit. They had a game a week, they won the league. The moment it got complicated, the wheels fell off, and he mm. was gone. And I thought, shit, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see the same thing here because if there's one thing to be said about coming to Spurs, it is it will test everybody's resolve. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that has got that has surprised me is not that it has fallen apart so quickly, but that it has done it in the manner that it has, is that there's been this end of term feeling since about November, since everybody came back from the World Cup before Christmas. We thought, right, OK, well, maybe now they'll they'll let the handbrake off. Maybe we'll start playing in the first half as well as the second half. But what actually happened was we've started playing in the second half like we were playing in the first half before the World Cup, you know. Um, and it seems that everybody's just fucking checked out. And and I don't get it. And And I guess, you know, the human side of me says, well, you know, they've had a couple of deaths. You know, he, you know, he's lost the, the coach and they were obviously all very, very close to, to the guy. And um and and then he was ill and he's been at hospital and yada 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 but but still there's there's just nothing is there it's, there's nothing is well th- this is very interesting to see it was it was shared on twitter one of his kind of like his terminal press conferences at chelsea um and he, he said at the time and bear in mind considering he's talking about it being a miracle that mm. he managed he managed to get tottenham into the top 4 at this point, they had there was ten games left of their season, and there were five points behind Tottenham, in who were in fourth place. Yeah. And he said, "I don't know if my ambition is shared by the club. It's very important to have a coach and club with the same ambition to improve the team, the quality of players. If you have this situation, you win the league in the FA Cup or the Champions League. 
I have great ambition, but I don't have money to spend for Chelsea. The club knows what my ambitions are. When you decide to work with this type of coach, you take on a coach with a great ambition, not a loser, a winner. It's, it's, it could almost like word, practically be the same thing, you know? It's just, yeah. and this is, again, this is after he spent about 250, 300 million pounds at Chelsea, about 220, 30 million pounds here. Like, mm. you know, I just, if, right, if it's if it's not just going to be a complete, I mean, what I, one, one final thing, really, that I really took umbrage with was when he was saying, they're just used to it here. They're, they're used to not playing in big games. We played a Champions League final in 2019, mate. Have you ever been in one? You know, yeah, like exactly. as a, as a manager, anyway. Yeah, He's... well, it, I can't remember who it was that said last that um, it was last week after we went out the Champions League. You know, yeah, you know, you can make this criticism, but Tottenham as a club do have a better Champions League record than you, mate. You know, <laughs> and we've and we've never fucking won it. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, he really does have a woeful European record, doesn't he? he yeah, uh, I mean, he. This is all part of the kind of the cult that it is around him and it surrounds managers like Mourinho and managers like him. I feel that, and you can bleed it out wider than that, into Trump, into people like Andrew Tate. There are these kind of people who, and I've, to be fair, I'm also Mourinho and Conte are on a, they don't share the same type of opinion. Well, they don't espouse the same type of opinions as people like Andrew Tate do. I'm just talking about... There's this, there's kind of like this moth to the flame type appeal for, it is, sorry to say, lads, mostly a male thing where they seem to just be drawn to these type of individuals, and they feel that by kind of beating down anybody that that says that they don't like this type of guy, that it makes them somehow more alpha. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's this whole kind of like you, if you if you don't want to listen to the guy who manages your football club, call your football club shit at every available opportunity, You that's somehow failing on your part. You're a loser. You're not... No, it's not, mate. Like, football's an escape. We all want to enjoy this, right? Like, just mm. ditch ditch that shit. You're somebody sat behind a computer just like I am. Sat behind a computer or behind a phone. Like, don't act like you're anything bigger than that do you know what I mean just because you want to because you want to cling on to this kind of strange idea of masculinity that so many of these guys kind of project into the world do you know what I mean so that's 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 one thing that kind of irritates me about all this but he's if we like if we if we sort of just take it away from him as an individual we take it about like what he is the writing was on the wall from day one so many of us knew kind of really where this was going to go with Antonio Conte. We'll have a good time for a bit and then we know where it goes, right? Mm-hmm. So if we do kind of look at, if we bring Levy, we bring Enoch into this, because this is one of those things, you know, I'm always attacked for is, like, oh, you know, you're on Levy's payroll or something like that. In my opinion, like this, this, this really, the blame is firmly on, on his head for this, for, for again, putting the club in a position where we're having to have this type of shit, just we're having to have this kind of circus play out in public around the club because the hubris wants again to think that you can just somehow get this, get a, get a squad of players that have looked disconnected now for almost what, four or five years and just 
say, right, we've got Harry Kane, let's still carry on winning the league. I mean, the, the annoying thing is, right, the annoying thing is with all this is that we kind of, we we take this emotionally as fans, right? We we see all this kind of, we want the journey, we want the hugs, we want Pochettino crying in press conferences, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure somebody like Daniel Levy, for all this kind of, I'm saying the blame lies at his with him, he's still probably thinking, yeah, well, we got top four last year, we might get top four again, so... It sort of vindicates his his decision to do it, but it it just feels like again it's that kind of the question over him is that disconnect from football as a game, right? It, that that the only way we can get top four is to have to suffer people like Mourinho and Conte. You know, sh- surely surely you knew what type of character he was, and where does you know Paratici fa- factor in all of it? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, I mean, that's an entirely different subject, isn't it? You know, why is he even still at the club? You know, I mean... You know, I mean, you think about Paratici, like there's all of this stuff hanging over him, you know, there are, there are the, you know, European bans and possibly worldwide football bans and, you know, there's talk of custodial sentences and sanctions and all this sort of stuff. And yet we're still fucking employing him. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't get, we talk about the destabilising effect of having somebody like Conte at the club and, and having this sort of disjuncture and where is it going and what happens next and, and um, you know, I mean, yeah, we've got 10 games to go and then... Uh, why are we why are we waiting that's the other thing why are we waiting to find out what happens after 10 games because we all know what's going to happen after 10 games um and and yet in the middle of it all is this guy that's been investigated and prosecuted and and found guilty of of sort of commercial malfeasance and yet there's no there doesn't seem to be any distancing of the club from him um i mean that i think is the first major thing that levy should be dealing with uh, over and above Conte almost, because this is the guy that's doing the signings. This is the guy that's actually setting the agenda for the footballing side of club operations. We don't know if he's going to be in the fucking neck in six months. Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, like you say, you know, as far as Levy's concerned, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, he must be over the moon because because as far as he goes you know strategic thinking he's built the infrastructure he's now got a world class manager we're competing in the champions league again you know i mean people saying well you know conte should have been sacked after the weekend but you know we're a couple of points off third place in the league 
is he really going to sack the manager at this point? I don't think he is, unless he actually comes out at the next press conference and says, Daniel Levy eats babies. I think that's <laughs> the only way he's going to fucking sack him because from where he's sitting there, it would make absolutely no bloody sense to do so. Because if, if he did sack him and they put Mason in charge or got Pochettino back or or hired the fucking the latest walking skeleton that got sacked out of Chelsea and we missed out on top four, then then that then that to him is quite a high risk strategy, isn't it? You know? Um whereas at the moment we'll probably just stumble over the line. Um maybe if we lose to Newcastle after the break then things will change because they'll go above us again. But I, I don't know. I think the Paratici thing is massive though. What the fuck is that all about? It just seems bizarre, doesn't it? And do you... I mean, is it just me, mate? Or do you feel this same nagging sense that really now, whether Conte stays or goes, whether we say we say Conte goes and we bring in De Zerbi next season, right? There would be that... There would be the excitement, okay, maybe he can be another Pochettino. Things start to build. But in the back of my mind, I'm always going to be like, what's going to happen is we're all going to get excited. We're going to build to a point again. And then the club, be is that if that's Daniel Levy, if that's people above Daniel Levy, whoever. I mean, that's only Joe Lewis. So are just kind of happy and content to be like, yep, top four though. So that's all right, you know. Like it, hmm. it, because it, 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 speculating that you can't escape from that feeling that these kind of meek displays in FA Cups and all that type of thing. It's got to be just. It's coming from the direction. It's got, the fish rots from the head, right? It's coming from. It's coming from the top. Just this idea that really, come finishing in the top four is is enough, you know. And it, it, I just I can't shake that feeling now that I I just want different ownership, you know. I do. I I and it's not. I don't just want different ownership because I want us to do what Man City have done. I'm not looking for us to spend like a hundred billion pounds and win the league tomorrow, kind of thing. You know, it it it's not that. I just want to feel like something something is different because it feels like this is all played out now. It feels like we've done this merry-go-round, right? Yeah, you have to wonder what the next stage is for them if they stay, don't you? Because obviously they have been involved in some sort of you know twenty year project whereby you know if you if you look at it objectively yes the club is entirely unrecognizable from what it was when they bought it from sugar um you know not least the stadium's different all of the facilities are different i mean you know uh, that first year that martin yog got us back into the uefa cup you know when was that 2006 i think i think yeah around um, then, yeah yeah, you know, then, you know, we were almost, well, a lot of us were almost dancing in the streets because, you know, my God, you know, the wilderness years are over. Um, and if we look at if we look at the arc of the Enoch ownership objectively over that period of time, they appear to have achieved what it is they look like they've set out to do in the respect that they've created a football club for the 21st century. And you're right, it does appear that the missing piece is actually that on-field bit now. And I don't buy into this... I don't buy into this idea that Levy doesn't care about us not having success on the pitch. I do believe that he doesn't actually know what to do next. And I don't think it's to do with spending money. I wondered whether or not he thought in, in having that totemic manager in at first Mourinho and yeah. then Conte that he's got... 
I mean, Conte said in a press conference last year that the difficulty isn't that we won't spend the money, it's, it's actually attracting the players to come to the club. And I wonder whether or not this was the thing that Levy thought would actually do that. And actually, now it hasn't done it. Maybe he's sitting thinking, fuck, I don't actually know what to do next. Because short of being a, 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 an, er an Emirate state that can burn £50 notes of fun, we aren't going to be able to outbid and out-attract and out-entice you know, entice players that are going to go to... You know, if we're talking about our rivals for signings being clubs like Arsenal, you know, we're not competing with a club like Manchester City to sign a player that Manchester City wants. We're not in that conversation. We might still be in a conversation to sign. I mean, you think of Trossard, we were supposed to be after him in January and he went to Arsenal instead. The direct competition between the two clubs is slightly parallel. Yeah. Um, and yet, I wonder whether or not. Levy and the board thought, well, the thing that is going to give us the difference is having the totemic manager. And actually, they've tried that twice now and it hasn't worked in either opportunity. And I wonder if they are scratching their heads thinking, fucking hell, what do we do now? And in that situation, you're right. It probably does need just a different person at the helm. Um, and, and I don't know whether or not, like you say, whether or not it's a, a reasonable expectation to be doing it with blood money. Um, certainly I would have some ethical issues with that, but then I know I'm in the minority in the stands because actually a lot of people wouldn't give a shit as so long as it bought silverware. Yeah, 100% that. And I, I think it's, it's an important point that you do touch on um, about did it not being money because we are spending we are spending a lot of money. The club are, and I, I'm so tired of hearing this same old kind of... I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's rooted in anti-Semitism. You just have to call it what it is. Like this idea that, mm -hmm. uh, and you see, you see, like the expression "penny pinching" used constantly, constantly in the media. Yeah. People are always say, you'll yeah. always see something on Talk Sport or something where people are talking about that, and it just it, it is quite frankly false. But yeah, it, it, for me, like the, the the biggest disconnect here really is it just it just doesn't feel like. The, the the optics, the outward messaging, anything from the club really ever screams, we want to win. We want to be the best. And, you know, Amanda Staveley the other day, and I understand their situation, I understand kind of the, what Newcastle are backed by and all this type of stuff. But just having Staveley out on the news the other day talking about what Newcastle's ambition is, it's to win. We want to win the Champions League. We are, No, not we want to. We are going to win the Champions League. We are going to win the Premier League. This is what our plan is. This is what we are setting out to do to make Newcastle United the best team in the world. And again, please don't misconstrue. I'm not kind of championing them as like, wow, that's that's awesome when they're backed by, you know, blood money, as you say. But I'm just talking about like the the messaging there when so consistently from us, it's and. I do understand this as a as a as a means of kind of increasing our spending power, increasing our kind of brand and all this type of stuff. But I really do think the focus has been too much now on Formula One partnerships, NFL, gigs, this type of stuff. You so seldom really hear from the people that run the football club what our ambition is. That mm. we, we see these kind of platitudes as to dare is to do and all this stuff and slap it on a coaster and we can get it from the club shop great but that's that's not the feeling around the club and I, it makes me sick to say it and i hate to say it but that's what arsenal have absolutely nailed every single person in that club edu arteta 
all of the players, the fans, everybody, look at them this year. They're having the absolute time of their lives. And it is all because they are all from this, they all have that singular vision of footballing success. That's what they want to achieve. There's, they've, they've had their sort of wilderness years and now suddenly they've come out of that and they're going to win the fucking league, you know, because they are all bought into this singular vision that what we are here to do is win football matches and to win, just to win stuff in a footballing sense. And I can honestly say, I do we do we get that sense out of Tottenham at all in any way, shape or form? It's It's actually quite like bonkers when you think about it you know yeah well this is it it's silence isn't it all we get is silence and and, and constantly and, and the problem with silence is is that people will fill it with their own ideas um and at no point does anybody come out even to even to correct a narrative you know i mean we don't you, you, i mean you'd, let's take this weekend for example you know we've had this this kind of both barrels antonio conte telling it like it is sort of diatribe and 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 where we've all been second guessing whether or not it, has he is he going to be sacked you know i mean i i um i, I mean I, I will sort of say this, i'm going to digress ever so slightly i will hold my hands up and say that saturday's um lose surrendering the lead on saturday was entirely my fault um because i watched the first part of it and then when we were 3-1 up i had to go somewhere so i got in the car and put the radio on and we all know what happens when you do that and it's kind of my fault that happened but after it all went and i was listening to all the aftermatch you know analysis and all of the hot air that comes out of the bbc on top of it I spent the next couple of hours thinking, well, are we going to get a club statement fairly soon saying we've parted company with Antonio Conte? We didn't. And so that fueled itself. And into the next morning, I got up and I thought, well, I'll put the Hellfire site on and see if he's been sacked. <laughs> and he hadn't. And, um, and, and, and Sunday got filled with even more speculation. And today, even more speculation. Nothing from the club. It would have been the perfect time to come out like you say, you know, whether it's Levy or Donna Cullen or, or, or one of the other people that are, that are associated with the board saying, I'm the spokesman for the club in this situation. We understand the comments, you know, we were, you know, whether we're happy or not about it is another matter. You know, the club's position is this. Then at least there's some clarity, but there isn't any clarity. And so the circus rolls on, you know, and, and, and it's that vacuum that allows, it allows this, this, this space for people to put their own prejudice on everything because we don't fucking hear. I mean, what have we had a written statement from him in two years from Daniel Levy and he waffled on some shit about DNA and, and that's it. But we the hear DNA that Trump. was just, it was all disingenuous. He's talking about getting these managers in with this club DNA and then he, he appoints, appoints fucking Mourinho and Conte. Like yeah. it's, it's just lip service, you know? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is, it's, I, I've had my problems with Enoch. I'm not somebody that is, you know, I mean, I'm quite a patient man, I suppose. That's the dif that's the difference is that I, do I don't tend to be too reactionary. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I'm not easy to sort of categorise as an Enoch sort of stooge because I have had my issues with them. And as I've said to you before, I had, you know, particularly the way they dealt with Martin Yoll. I didn't spend a fucking penny at that club for eight years because of how they dealt with Martin Yoll. And it wasn't until I'd spoken to Dan Kilpatrick and he'd actually told me what Yoll had said about how Levy had dealt with him in private that I backed down on that. So I was all for, I was fucking Enoch out before it was 
fashionable, you know, in some respects. So it's not as if I'm a champion for them. But, you know, it's that sort of... You think, well, you've got to give it time, give it balance. OK, they've got a different vision. They've had this huge project and this is the last piece. And right, well, we've had to give them this opportunity. But they've had that opportunity now. He's had two managers after the Champions League final and after the collapse that followed it. He's had two big managerial signings plus a clusterfuck with with Nuno Espirito. And, and I don't know how much more rope we need to give him. <laughs> you know? I mean, if, if you could... If you could try... Envisage the future, mate. Mm-hmm. What what happens from here? Because like you say, and it seems to be as Paul O'Keefe is saying, Conte's not gonna get sacked. He's not no. going. So what 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 does now look like? Does does he does the unlikely happen? Does he end up signing a contract with us and we back him even further and we try to you know, move the club forwards or where do you see this going? Uh, I think he goes. Um, I th- I think, well, I mean, like you say, he stays to the end of the season because the league position is too good for him to be sacked at the moment, isn't it? Um, and I don't know whether or not that's a dynamic thing, whether or not they will just stick regardless of what happens in the next 10 games. I mean, his form is terrible, isn't it, really? Mm. Uh, what is it? Out of the last 10 games that he's been present for, we've... We've uh, have we have we like won? We've only won about three or four of them, haven't we? We've won, <laughs> really? One, one, yeah. I mean, it's been fucking terrible. Whoopee. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't know whether or not it's a dynamic thing that if we do lose the next two games after the break, one of I think it's is it Everton and then Newcastle we've got. I think. Um. Uh, certainly Newcastle go above us, and maybe that does change the dynamic, and he goes early. I. It breaks my heart to say it. I don't see them bringing Pochettino back in. No, nor me. Um, as much as I'd love it. Um, and then again, I don't think the Pochettino that would come back would be able to do what he did in his first instance when he, he cleared out all of the, you know, the Adebayors and, and you know, the um, Etienne Capoues and all the players that, that were doing the lazy bit. I don't think he'd have that freedom if he did come back. So I wonder whether or not actually him being reappointed is just a fairy tale anyway. Um, I think he goes in the summer, and, I, and I've got to say it, I, I honestly think that Harry Kane's going to go as well. And then where do we go, <laughs> you know? like Yeah, I mean, who do they bring in? Um, I, I don't want to see any side of Thomas Tuchel in my club. I can't stand the man. But it, it, that's really what it feels like, right? But then I, but then I do wonder: Does Thomas Tuchel come in if if Harry Kane goes? Because I, I'm interested to know where this one will go. I, I am still of the opinion. I'll be interested to know what you think, mate. I'm of the opinion that where if he goes on a free in what next summer, he's still worth more to the club than if we just because City didn't want to go higher than seventy mil when he was what twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty eight a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, best striker in the world. They weren't going higher than seventy mil. At that point, I, th- I genuinely think if they did just upped it to that hundred mil, hundred ten, maybe with maybe chuck a player in, he'd be theirs. But yeah. you know, um, is he? But is he worth? Is he worth more to the club? If or or is this in a way? Is this even like a continuation of a Conte type thing? Is it still another spectre hanging over everything? 
Well, I mean, the difficulty with it in answering that question is, is, is if he goes, who do you replace him with? You know, because if you if you sell a thirty-year-old Harry Kane, like you say, if Manchester City, who have got the ability to write checks without thinking about it, didn't want to go above seventy million for him, who else is going to go anywhere near that now he's thirty? Um, and and what extra do we have to put into it to entice somebody to come to Tottenham to replace him? Um, the, I mean, I do wonder whether or not they did buy Richarlison thinking that actually, you know, because I mean, do we are we a club that spends 60 million quid on a bench player? Um, you know, what what was the thinking in bringing in that player? Um, and I wonder whether or not it was perhaps we're talking gentlemen's agreements again. You give us this year and we'll sell you in the last year of your contract. I would like to see him stay. And I think. It all depends on whether or not they resolve the managerial situation because if somebody else does come in and it looks positive, he said all along all he ever wants is for the club to show ambition, then he could be persuaded to stay. But if he doesn't want to be here, is it going to be counterproductive keeping him here? Um, I mean, I, I, it's such a complex thing because he's a once-in-a-generation player, isn't he? And he just scores and scores and scores loads and, and loads and, and of goals. Him, Without him, we're in the bottom half of the table in our current form, aren't we? Oh, big time. You know, I mean, yeah. we can deliberate all we want over, well, maybe if Richarlison played up there or Son did, or let, let's be honest, Ockham's razor this shit, you know, like he's, yeah. we, he's we're there. in trouble. We're in big trouble. Yeah, we are. We're we're in, we're in post-bail territory, aren't we? Yeah, and it, I don't know, it, it's hard, mate, at the moment, because I don't like to kind of, compound the misery at these times but it really does feel like one of those horrible crossroads that yeah we've had down the years and we've come through them understandably you know Sherwood and all this type of stuff but it, it, we are really at one of those horrible crossroads again with Tottenham where it's like I just don't I don't really have any hope for anything that can come after this you know because I still feel like you know Arsenal are massively improving now they're going to probably win the league and if not they're they're basically they've replaced Liverpool now, right? They're they're the new Liverpool. We got to contend with Newcastle, who are way way ahead in their project, right? You know we've got that coming. We've got a reinvigorated Manchester United. We're gonna have. I mean, make no mistake, Chelsea are having a terrible year this year. They'll probably win the fucking league next year. You know, it's mm. it's what Chelsea do. We know that about them. Whereas we're like looking at down the barrel of right, well, Conte's probably going to go. Harry Kane is maybe going to go or or be very unhappy. Son looks spent. Richarlison looks very unhappy, and you know it's just Lloris is on his way out. We need to replace him. It's mm. it's real like it's it's nightmare scenario stuff, isn't it? And it it still feels like the universe is having one big laugh at Tottenham's expense and thus again puts me firmly back in the place where I feel like we are actually all currently residing in hell, Rich. What do you make of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you, really. I mean, I was, well, I, was, I was musing on it while you were talking. It actually feels, you know, uh, four years ago, Pochettino said that we needed a painful rebuild. And we're four years into what is, you know, a painful rebuild. And it actually feels like we're only just starting it, doesn't it? Because yeah. like you say, 
Good goalkeepers are very difficult to come by, and we need a good goalkeeper. We need at least one good centre-half. I think, you know, we need to have a manager that's going to instil some fucking in intelligence into Romero. As much as I love him, he's a liability. Um, you know, we if we can get somebody that believes in some of the wing-backs that we've bought... We've, we've, we're we've somewhere along the way with that. Yeah, with Benton Coe, he might come back and he might regain some form. He might take another year after his injury is resolved to find any any sort of form. It might change his game forever, an injury like that. Kane is 30 years old. He might not be here. It's like you say, Son looks like he's left already mentally. Um, and, and so we're looking at really buying three quarters of a first 11 in the next 12 months. And we don't know who the manager is going to be. My only clinging, clinging tiny little speck of sunshine is that if Arsenal don't win the league, it does look a little fragile. Like they're in a project, you know, they're, they're, this, this league running for them is our Champions League running. You know, I mean, I know we had shit home form at that point, but, but it's like everything is on that. And if, if for some reason they don't get over the line, if they lose a couple and say United come up or, or whoever it is that's in form and pip them to it, it might be a bit fragile and they might not turn into this juggernaut. Um, that's a really, really, really small and quite fragile thing to be clinging on to, but it's all I've got. But again, mate, see, it's, it, it, but this is what's happened, right? And it's happened yeah. to me. The only hope we have is that Arsenal don't do something. Like Tottenham now, we're just like, oh, whatever. Forget about yeah. them. I'm now. I'm not a Tottenham supporter. I'm a not not Arsenal supporter. I'm an, I'm an anti Arsenal. I'm a not fan, Arsenal yeah. supporter. That's it. You know because yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, it just it couldn't come at a worse time, could it? Seeing them just steamroll the Premier League in the way that they are is. It's just it's so unpleasant. <laughs> it is, and and I think the worst thing about it is, like you say, you know, they're having the time of their lives. They've got an identity. They've got an identity, yep. and you know, as much as as much as you know, I you know that guy Arteta. I mean, fucking hell, I'm not even convinced he's a human being. Frankly, <sighs> I, I think he might be Chat GP or something. But <laughs> um, you know, as much as as much as he is what he is, the worst thing about it, it's not even that they're winning it, is that they're doing what Pochettino so yeah. nearly did to yeah. us in yeah. 2016. Yeah. Is that their tails are up and they and they've got the badge and the identity and there are no distractions and like you said ten minutes ago we're all distractions. It's that's it. There's nothing footballing about our identity. No, none, nothing. Like just zilch, you know, F one and all this type yeah. of shit. And I try not to get too triggered by that stuff because I do realise again, you know, we're not backed by a nation state. These are smart investments and stuff, but. Why is that like all that we hear about? You know, why is I just come back to that point? Why is it always focused on that stuff? Why is it never just kind of like, let's do this? You know, and I, I guess in, in balance, one would argue that we complain about bringing in a manager like Antonio Conte, but one might say, well, that's Daniel Levy going out and looking at who is the best available manager right now on paper, Antonio Conte, and he personally intervened in this whole thing to get it across the line so you know to give him his you know to give him his dues he maybe does care a lot more than than we let on just because he's not out there having a pint like i like mike ashley did in the stands and stuff he didn't give a fuck did he he put out all the optics of oh look, i'm a i'm a man of the people i love this club i do kind of thing 
that that he he, he did fuck all for Newcastle. Absolutely nothing. Um, so you know, I just like you say, maybe it's just it's just a different figurehead that's needed. Maybe we just I, I don't know, mate. I, I I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of this, but it's just so frustrating because. I just see videos of loads and loads of Arsenal fans banging drums and lighting flares and all of us Tottenham lot being like, oh, look how cringy they are. And yeah, I do think they are on a certain level, but I'm also like, but they're having a fucking laugh. They're enjoying watching their football team. I'm seeing this video. I don't know if you saw it on doing the rounds. Sinchenko's missus filmed him driving along. I'm not sure where he is. I think he's around Kilburn or somewhere like that. Driving along and there's a like an Arsenal pub and he just does the window down. He like pulls up outside the pub and like honks his horn and he's like, sticks his head out the window and goes like, Way! and you see the whole pub, all these like Arsenal fans just like, Way! like cheering. You're like, fuck me. Like this is, this is disgusting. You know, like <laughs> how are they getting this? How, how are they allowed to have this happen? Like they've had all, they've, they've won the double. Like they won the double not long ago. They took our club captain and won it at our stadium. That is more than enough joy for one lifetime. Mm-hmm. As if you are also stealing, like you say, as if you are also taking now our Pochettino identity, our Pochettino arc, our story, and you're getting it. Like you're going to win it with it. Like what? You know? I, I realise this pod has just descended into me whinging about like Arsenal and about Tottenham's fortunes, mate. But there isn't really much to make like sense of with Tottenham now. We're we're not a good football team, and we're not in a good place. And our manager fucking hates us. Like, make sense of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think you know the worst thing is is that this international break has come at this point as well, because of course you know there's now all the all of this space for all of this ill feeling and all of this you know there's this vacuum for the next 10 days or whatever it is where where he's not going to get them together and thrash it out he's not going to resolve anything it's all just going to sit there and turn into and turn into a grudge or turn into some sort of internalized criticism and they're all going to come back and think oh I've got to go back to fucking work now and deal with this miserable Italian prick, you know? And um, and what's it going to be fucking like when it comes back, you know? Because at least if it had happened after the Milan game, they'd have got together and dealt with it. And, uh, and, and we're all out here sort of swinging in the wind thinking, fuck's sake, where has it gone wrong? Nothing's going to change. I just... You know, it's that sort of you sort of stand on the you stand by the by the pitch in the ground and the other the away sing, fans sing "Who are you?" and I kind of shrug my shoulders and think I don't fucking know. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.